back with um, recovering democracy now. And uh,
was a video of the January 6th insurrection aired during Thursday's House Select Committee, the first of a series of public hearings. The next is Monday morning. When we come back, we'll air more excerpts, including Capitol Police Officer Caroline Edwards describing her experience. Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As we continue our coverage of Thursday's House, January 6th historic hearing, we turn to the British filmmaker Nick Quested, who was embedded with the Proud Boys on January 6th. He was the first of two live witnesses. As stated in the winter of 2020, I was working on a documentary. As part of that documentary, I filmed several rallies in Washington, D.C., on December the 11th and December the 12th. And I learned there would be a rally on the mall in, on January 6th. So my three colleagues and I came down to document the rally. According to the permit of the event, there was going to be a rally at the Ellipse. We arrived at the mall and observed a large contingent of Proud Boys marching towards the Capitol. We filmed them uh, and almost immediately I was separated from my colleagues. I documented the crowd turn from protesters to rioters to insurrectionists. I was surprised at the size of the group, the anger and the profanity. And for anyone who didn't understand how violent that event was, I saw it, I documented it, and I experienced it. Uh, I heard incredibly aggressive chanting, and I shared, subsequently shared that footage with the authorities. I'm here today pursuant to a house subpoena. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mrs. Quested. The select committee has conducted extensive investigative work to understand what led the Proud Boys and other rioters to the Capitol on January 6th. We've obtained substantial evidence showing that the president's December 19th tweet calling his followers to Washington, D.C. on January 6th energized individuals from the Proud Boys and other extremist groups. I'd like to play a brief video highlighting some of this evidence. My name is Marcus Childress, and I'm an investigative counsel for the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Chairman of the Proud Boys said on Parlor, standing by, sir. During our investigation, we learned that this comment during the presidential debate actually led to an increase in membership from the Proud Boys. Would you say that Proud Boys numbers increased after the stand back, stand by comment? Exponentially. I'd say triple, probably. With the potential for a lot more eventually. Did you ever sell any stand back and stand by merchandise? Uh, one of the vendors on my 
page actually beat me to it, but I wish I would have. I wish I would have made a sandbag sandbag shirt. On December nineteenth, President Trump tweeted about the January sixth rally and told attendees, "Be there, will be wild." Many of the witnesses that we interviewed were inspired by the president's call and came to D.C. for January 6th. But the extremists, they took it a step further. They viewed this tweet as a call to arms. A day later, the Department of Justice describes how the Proud Boys created a chat called the Ministry of Self-Defense Leadership Chat. Uh, In this chat, the Proud Boys established a command structure in anticipation of coming back to D.C. on January 6th. The Department of Justice describes Mr. Tarrio coming into possession of a document called the 1770. 76 returns, which describes uh, individuals occupying key buildings around the United States Capitol. The Oath Keepers are another group that the committee investigated. You better get your ass to D.C. folks this Saturday. And if you don't, there's, there'll be no more republic. But we're not going to let that happen. It's not even a gift. It's, it's either President Trump is encouraged and, and bolstered and strengthened to do what he must do, or we wind up in a, in a bloody fight. We all know that. The fight's coming. The Oath Keepers began planning to block the peaceful transfer of power shortly after the November 3rd election. And according to the Department of Justice, Stuart Rhodes, the Oath Keepers' leader, said to his followers that we were not going to get through this without the Civil War. In response to the December 19th, 2020 tweet by President Trump, the Oath Keepers focused on January 6th in Washington, D.C. In response to the tweet, one member, the president of the Florida chapter, put on social media, the president called us to the Capitol. He wants us to make it wild. The goal was for the Oath Keepers to be called to duty so that they could keep the president in power, although President Trump had just lost the election. The committee learned that the Oath Keepers set up quick reaction forces outside of the city in Virginia where they stored arms. The goal of these quick reaction forces was to be on standby just in case President Trump invoked the Insurrection Act. Did the Oath Keepers ever provide weapons to members? I'm going to decline to answer that if there's any grounds for for, uh, a due process grounds. In footage obtained by the committee, we learned that on the night of January 5th, Enrique Tarrio and Stuart Rhodes met in a parking garage in Washington, D.C. There's mutual respect there. I think we're, we're fighting the same fight, and I think that's what's important. The committee learned that the Oath Keepers went into the Capitol through the east doors in two stack formations. The DOJ alleges that one of the stacks went into the Capitol looking for Speaker Pelosi, although they never found her. As the attack was unfolding, Mr. Tarrio took credit. In documents obtained by the Department of Justice, Mr. Tarrio said in an encrypted chat, make no mistake, and we did this. Later on that evening, Mr. Tarrio even posted a video which seemed to resemble him in front of the Capitol with a black cape, and the title of the video was Premonition. The evidence developed by the Select Committee and the Department of Justice highlights how each group participated on the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. In fact, the investigation revealed that it was individuals associated with the Proud Boys who instigated the initial breach at the Peace Circle at 12.53 p.m. Within 10 minutes, rioters had already filled the Lower West Plaza. By 2 o'clock, rioters had reached the doors on the West and the East Plazas. And by 2.13, rioters had actually broken through the Senate wing door and got into the Capitol building. A series of breaches followed. At 2.25 p.m., rioters breached the East Side doors to the Rotunda. After 2.40 p.m., riders breached.
reached the east side doors near the Ways and Means room. Once the rioters infiltrated the Capitol, they moved through the crypt, the rotunda, the hallways leading to the House chambers, and even inside the Senate chambers. associated with two violent extremist groups have been charged with seditious conspiracy in connection with the January 6th attack. One is the Oath Keepers. They are a group of armed anti-government extremists. The other group is the Proud Answering Boys. Answering the call to government to overthrow the And have engaged in violence with people they view as their political enemies. Members of both groups have already pled guilty to crimes associated with the January 6th attack. Mr. Quested, as part of the documentary you've been filming, you gain access to the Proud Boys and their leader, Enrique Tarrio. Your crew filmed them in Washington, D.C. on the evening of January 5th and then on January 6th. On January 5th, the night before the attack, you were with the head of the Proud Boys, Mr. Tario, in Washington, D.C. What happened? Um, we picked up Mr. Tario from jail. Uh, he'd uh, been arrested for carrying um, some magazines, uh, some long, uh, some extra capacity magazines, and uh, for the, he took responsibility for the burning of the uh, Black Lives Matter flag that was stolen from the church um, on December the 12th. Um, we, um, we were attempting to get an interview with Mr. Tario. Um, we had no idea of any of the events that were going to subsequently happen. Um, uh, we drove him to pick up his bags from the property department of the police, which is just Why south of the mall. The uh, we picked up his bags and went to get some other bags from the Phoenix Hotel, where we um, encountered Mr. Stuart Rhodes uh, from the Oath Keepers. Um, by the time I'd gone to park the car, my colleague was saying, who'd got into the car with Mr. Tario, that they had moved to a uh, location around the corner, the parking garage of the uh, Hall of Legends, I believe. And um, so we quickly drove over there. We drove down into the parking garage and filmed the scene of Mr. Tario and Mr. Rhodes uh, and certain other individuals um, uh, in that garage. So what you're saying is you filmed the meeting between Mr. Tario and Oath Keepers leader, Stuart Rose, right? Indeed. You couldn't hear what was said, but according to the Justice Department indictment of Mr. Tario, a participant referenced the Capitol. 
House January 6th Committee Chair Benny Thompson questioning British filmmaker Nick Quested, who was embedded with the Proud Boys on January 6th. The other witness who testified live during Thursday's primetime hearing was Capitol Police Officer Carolyn Edwards, who suffered a traumatic brain injury as she tried to hold the line outside the Capitol with fellow officers. She was with Officer Brian Sicknick, who she said appeared to have been sprayed in the face, was extremely pale. Sicknick died the next day. Edwards testified the pro-Trump mob included Proud Boys leader Joseph Biggs, who's now facing federal seditious conspiracy charges. At the hearing, a number of police officers and Sicknick's fiance sat behind Carolyn Edwards as she testified. The tables started turning once the, um, what is now the, the Arizona group is what you said, um, the crowd with orange hats, they came up chanting um, F-U-C-K Antifa, um, and they joined that group, and once they joined that group, Joseph Biggs' rhetoric turned to police. He started asking us questions like, You've, you didn't miss a paycheck during the pandemic, um, mentioning stuff about our pay scale was mentioned, and you know, started turning the tables on us. And I've worked can, you know, conservatively say probably hundreds of civil disturbance events. I know when I'm being turned into a villain, and that's when I turned to my sergeant and I stated the, uh, the understatement of the century. I said, uh, Sarge, I think we're going to need a few more people down here. <laughs> um, and so after that, you know, I think uh, they started conferring. They went a little silent. They started conferring among each other. I saw um, the person now identified as Ryan Samsel. He put his arm around Joseph Biggs, and they were talking. And then they started approaching the first barricade. They ripped the first barricade down, and they approached our uh, bike racks. We started um, holding on, grabbing the bike racks. You know, there weren't many of us, so I grabbed um, the middle between two different bike racks. And, you know, I, I wasn't under any pretense that I could hold it for very long, but I just wanted to, you know, make sure that we could get more people down and uh, get our CDU units time to, to answer the call. So we started grappling over the bike racks. Um, I felt the bike rack come on top of my head, and I was pushed backwards, and my foot caught the stair behind me, and I, uh, my chin hit the handrail, and then I, at that point I had blacked out, but my, um, the back of my head clipped the concrete stairs behind me. And you were knocked unconscious, is that right, Officer Edwards? Yes, ma'am. Um, but then when you regained consciousness, even with the injuries, you returned to duty, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, at that time, adrenaline kicked in. I 
ran towards the west front and I tried to hold the line at the Senate steps um, at the lower west terrace. Um, more people kept coming at us. Um, it just seems like you know more and more people started. Um, you know, coming on to the West Front, they started overpowering us. And that was right about when MPD's officers showed up. Um, their bike officers pushed the crowd back and allowed um, our CDU units as well as theirs to form that line that you see, um, that very thin line between us and the protesters or the rioters. Um, you know, at that time, I fell behind that line, and um, for a while, I started um, decontaminating people who had gotten sprayed um, and treating people medically who who needed it. When I fell behind that line, and I saw. Just remember my my breath catching in my throat because I, what I saw was just a, a war scene. It, it was something like I'd seen out of the movies. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground. Um, you know, they were bleeding. They were throwing up. They were, you know, they had, uh, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Um, you know, I, I was catching people as they fell. I, you know, I was, it, it was carnage. It was chaos. what I saw. Capitol Police Officer Carolyn Edwards, who suffered a traumatic brain injury on January 6th. She was questioned by Republican Congress member, Vice Chair Liz Cheney. That does it for today's show and our recap of the first public hearing of the U.S. House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. The committee holds its next hearing Monday morning. We will live stream it at 10 a.m. Eastern at democracynow.org. On Monday on Democracy Now!, we will speak with Democracy Now! co-host Juan Gonzalez about his newly updated edition of the landmark book, Harvest of Empire, a history of Latinos in America. That does it for our show. Democracy Now! is produced with Renee Fels, Mike Burke, Dina Guster, Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Tarasena, Tommy Warren, Camille Baker, Serena Nadura, Sam Alcoff, Maria Studio, John Hamilton, Robbie Karen, Honey Masood. I'm Amy Goodman. Stay safe. No, you stay safe, Amy. Great job, Amherst. It's huh. one of my bosses, very proud. Great person. Extremely awesome person. Great interviewer. Um, she covers all the stories that the rest of the media don't. The rest of the world's. Um, by the way, 
if you agree that uh, fake news is a problem in this country, then call Congress 202-224-3121 and demand that they break up the corporate media monopoly in which, and here's, here's a fact, a fun fact to arm yourself with to lobby your Congress member to break up the corporate media monopoly that five corporations own all of our media. It's not freedom of the press by any means. And call the White House too while you're at it two oh two four five six one 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 and demand that they break they they support that. They tell Congress to break up the corporate media monopoly, five corporations own all the media. It's not fucking freedom of the press, is it? No, it's not. Okay, anyway, wear a mask in public indoor spaces. Don't be an idiot. Whoa. And call 202-224-3121 and demand insurrection charges for Trump and uh, all of the uh, GOP Congress members who uh, supported this attack on Congress. And and tell tell your um, Congress members, 202-224-3121, to consider this an act of domestic terrorism and to charge them all with insurrection, even, even the... Um, the FBI didn't charge anybody with insurrection, only picketing and trespassing. Fuck that. Oh yeah, they arrested 700 people. They only got picketing. Picketing charges. Where's the fucking insurrection charge? Sedition. Sedition for all the fools who uh, were incited to violence and um, treason and insurrection. Better minimum, insurrection for the rest of the Congress members and Trump. And his family, of course. Including Jared Kushner. <laughs> okay. Who shouldn't have been in office in the first... And, and, and uh, go ahead and rip Congress, your Congress officials, uh, a new arsehole. Because, really, they should have censured Mr. Trump for saying stand by to the fucking Proud Boys on national TV. They should have fucking censured him for that. They should have censured him for a million other fucking things, and they never did that. You had to twist their arm, really twist their arm badly for them to stupid-ass Nancy Pelosi and the other corporate Democrats to finally do the fucking right thing and impeach him. They, they, did, they did impeach them twice. Yes, it's true. But... They, um, they're fucking wimps. They just charge them with abusive powers, and it, that's it. What about the fucking treason charge, and the insurrection charge, and the sedition charge, and the domestic terrorism charge, and the, and the counter-election fraud charges? He charged 86 cases of, of, uh, election fraud without any evidence. Didn't Giuliani lose his right to practice law? I think that it was that Sidney Powell. I think she did. Didn't she lose her right to lose? I can just easily look it up, Trista. I think it's Sidney Powell. Giuliani's law suspended. <laughs> Giuliani's law license suspended. Here are the other campaign targets: 111 Trump-linked election lawyers. Yes, 
Sidney Powell, other Trump attorneys could lose law and licenses for big lie. Trump lawyers who spread false election claims are now defending themselves in courts. <laughs> Serious abuses of ethics rules by attorneys. Haha. <laughs> Giuliani's law license is suspended over Trump election lies. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. How Sidney Powell, this is the Guardian, could be disbarred for lying in court for Trump. Well, she, okay, may soon be disciplined for making false claims. Yes, they can. They could fucking lose their license. Ha ha. Who may face discipline next? Forbes. Oh, temporarily suspended. Fuck that. It should be permanently suspended. Had his law license temporarily suspended by the New York Supreme Court Thursday for making demonstrably false and misleading statements like, could, could that be like, Child by combat. And how about that? Insurrectionist fucking statements. Treasonous. In his effort to overturn the presidential election, potentially become the first in a series of Trump allied attorneys who could face disbarment and other serious consequences for their post election lawsuits. Ha ha. Motherfuckers. New York Supreme Court said, I should tweet the. Here's a mental note to uh, tweet the New York Supreme Court to make it permanent. Appellate Division will hold a formal disciplinary hearing in which Giuliani can make his case and which will lead to a... We should, we should all uh, show up to that, man. Show up to that case. That was in 2021, though. As to license to practice law should be permanent. We, there should have been a huge bunch outpouring of people like showing up to that. Dang, chickens. The Georgia State Bar is investigating... And could potentially disbar pro-Trump attorney Lynn Woods for his post-election conduct, including lawsuits attempting to overturn the results and spreading outlandish conspiracy theories involving such figures as Mike Pence and Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. Others' complaints have also been filed with the state bars in Arizona, Michigan, and Texas against lawyers who filed post-election cases, most notably against... What, who's what about the Arizona one? Ha ha ha. A far-right attorney who was the most prominent spreader of a fraud conspiracy theory involving Dominion voting systems, voting machines, which Trump should be should be um, sued for a billion dollars. He, you know, he should be named as a co-defendant with. Uh, mm, you know, they're suing Fox uh, for the you know the tanking Dominion, spreading false lies about. Dominion voting machines being defective and that was causing the election fraud bullshit. 86 cases of election fraud that he, that these motherfuckers filed. They were all thrown out lack of evidence. Dominion and voting I mean, a smart medic have sued Powell and Giuliani as well as my pillow CEO Mike Lindell. In Dominion's case and Fox News accusing them of defamation by spreading false claims about the company's voting machines. Michigan state and local officials have asked a federal court to sanction Powell and her quarters for their post-election lawsuit in the state. Pennsylvania has asked for sanctions against attorneys who brought a fraud case in Colorado and very state and local officials have asked Trump, Powell, and other lawyers to pay defendants' attorneys' fees for the post-election cases they brought with. <clears throat> 
Um, <laughs> Def defendant's attorney's fees. Courts have disciplined some allies of former President Donald Trump already. A judge in Washington, D.C. ordered attorney Eric Cardall to face a disciplinary committee. The Arizona GOP was forced to pay 18000 in legal fees. Only 18000 What? And election officials in Georgia's DeKalb and Kalb counties were awarded attorney's fees in a lawsuit Trump brought against them. Wait. Forced to pay Arizona GOP. Ha ha. $18,000 in legal fees. In a post-election case in Pennsylvania, Giuliani himself stated, I don't know what's more serious than being denied your right to vote in a democracy. We agree, the Attorney's Grievance Committee for the First Judicial Department at the New York Supreme Court wrote in their ruling suspending Giuliani's license. This is the very reason why espousing false factual information to large segments of the public as a means of discrediting the rights of legitimate voters is so immediately harmful to it and warrants interim its suspension from the practice of law. Interim, what, permanent, permanent, what to watch for. Julie has the right to request a hearing to appeal the ruling, although the committee predicted in the ruling the lawyer's alleged misconduct will likely result in substantial permanent sanctions at the conclusion of these disciplinary proceedings. Not necessarily. Before that, Julian, wait. Substantial, likely results, have they? Before that, Julie, that, that's what I would like to know. Giuliani and Powell will appear in court Thursday afternoon for a hearing on whether Dominion's lawsuits against them should be dismissed. No, they went ahead. I believe they went ahead. Pa Powell and her co-attorneys in Michigan will appear in court on July 6th. As the court considers whether the attorneys should be sanctioned, Giuliani's attended statement Thursday, the suspension of the lawyer's license was unprecedented. Get it? Haha, <laughs> it's a joke. Noting they believe that our client does not pose a present, present danger to the public interest in predicting Giuliani's license would be reinstated after he's able to present his case, Powell and would have also been defended their post-election actions and decried the efforts to punish them for their lawsuits. Would unsuccessfully sue the Georgia State Bar in a bid to stop their investigation against him from moving forward. <laughs> failed. He would never... Uh, wait. Uh, writing on Telegram after the lawsuit failed. He would never quit fighting against the corrupt, politically agenda-driven State Bar of Georgia. Powell has previously said in emailed statements to Forbes she believes the defamation lawsuits against her political maneuvers maneuver, motivated by the radical left that have no basis in fact or law and decried the Michigan officials' efforts to sanction her as yet another political publicity stunt, not to mention a way to taxpayer resources. Trump and his allies brought more than six, it's 86 lawsuits in the aftermath of the election challenging the vote uh, count and seeking to overturn the results, which all failed except for one narrow ruling in Pennsylvania that only affected a small number of ballots. Giuliani led the Trump campaign's legal efforts, although uh, though he only directly presented represented the president in one case in Pennsylvania during which he backed off the election fraud claims he made outside of the courtroom and acknowledged during the hearing, this is not a fraud case. <laughs> this is not a fraud case. No, no. No, no. This is not a fraud case. No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. I wonder if there's a recording. Can we hear the recording from that case? <laughs>
<laughs> this is not a fraud case. No, no. I'm changing my ways when money applies. This is not a fraud song. No, no. I'm getting better and better. I have a new Roland. I'm changing my ways when money applies. This is not a fraud song. This is not a fraud song. No, no. This is not a fraud case. This is not a fraud case. Um, let's, uh, that was freaking nice. Great job, Tristan. A good podcast, I think. Um, we all learned that Giuliani was temporarily suspended. Now let's make it permanently suspended. And also let's, uh, let's, um, um, mount some counter-election fraud charges against Mr. Trump for the 300,000 missing ballots that went, that went missing in the USPS, which was run by his lackey, Mr. Fire Me DeJoy. It will be a DeJoy firing that motherfucker. <laughs> um, it will be a DeJoy when that motherfucker is fired. <laughs> That's a good joke. A good three-second joke. Okay, I'm always looking for a good three. Se- Oops, sorry, buddy. I was just trying to pat your ass, your arse. You know, nobody, no other men, men won't let me do that. So, but I can do it to my, my dogs. I can do it to my dogs. Can I dig it? Slap your ass. Anyway, um, you probably hear like ducks from the. Uh, 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 I think the ducks are quite happy in their new enclosure. It's very, um, I want to say thank. It's, it's very muddy. It's very muddy in there. And they love that. So I think they're very happy. Anyway, um, so um, it's time to go. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for 5.3 thousand, um, 5.3k uh, listens on this podcast. I actually have like two or three podcast uh, kind of lost plants and um, I've been a bit down um, technologically although uh, I do have I am on YouTube I have several YouTube YouTube channels Christopher Governator and it, it's, it's hashtag Christopher Governator exclamation points all caps on YouTube and uh, hashtag Johnny Debs new gf although i'm going to change that it's just going to be johnny depp's hashtag johnny depp's friends i think (coughs) um because i broke up and i i did a podcast in which i explained why i broke up with johnny depp but uh yeah i always love him and, and you know uh, you know, he, he kissed, he kissed my heart. Literally. That's what he, he did. He, that's what he said. He would. <laughs> yeah, they're loving their new enclosure. Yeah, plenty of, 
instead of raping her, he was he was messing her eye up, just blinding her by tackling her. And, but it's kind of I think with all that mud in there, it's kind of hard to tackle her. And also he's busy, he's quite busy with the muds rather than trying to to essay his little duck, his little girlfriend. And she's quite small, you know. So, yeah, I was worried she was going to lose her eye. It was, like, all closed over. So, separated them in the afternoon and then changed, changed the enclosures with the other, my, my, um, coaching, my coachings. No, no, I am Simonis. I have a breeding pair of uh, these black chickens. They're beautiful chickens. They're actually purple. Purple chickens. How incredible is that? And, um, also they're, yeah, not only are the feathers beautiful but um like in asia in taiwan um they're very special sought after expensive chicken to buy and uh, you know they especially the old people they they uh use it in soups and it's seen as being medicinal so yeah traditional ethnic Chinese cuisine but I'm not going to I'm not going to use them for that but um, I'm just going to raise them their parents were shochi their the father was a show chicken a show award-winning show chicken FEMA County Fair But I'm going to raise them just because they're beautiful. You know, I had five roosters. <laughs> if anybody wants an I'm Simone rooster, I might be down. Um, well, I was told $100. $100. If anybody wants to, you can talk to me. I mean, that's going right. Anyway, so... um. But otherwise, I'll just keep them all. I like them. So don't bother, you know, like, only if you really, really, really want an I Am Simone purple chicken for $100. Because um, I, otherwise, I, I don't need the money. At, you know, I'd rather have the chicken, actually. So maybe I should raise the price on him. Maybe, like, double the price. So then nobody would buy him. <laughs> Make it like two hundred dollars. Okay, if anybody wants, otherwise, so you know, I'd rather keep them, unless I can make two hundred dollars off of them, which will pay like half of my bill. I spent four hundred dollars on birds, Cochins and Polish and and I'm Simonis and um um three pheasant chicks. I didn't make it, but actually, I would trade trade me uh, I would trade trade a rooster for a an I'm a beautiful purple rooster for a uh, pheasant. Please, somebody, if you have a silver pheasant, I'll trade you. I'll trade you one of my beautiful purple two hundred dollar chickens. Show chickens. Otherwise, fuck off. Uh, I'll keep them myself. Nobody wants a purple chicken. That's great. Because I like them myself. 
feathers are nice, so don't bother.